Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Thanks for being so faithful to the Lord and to uh, the podcast. Really appreciate it. Got my postcard today from Bremerton, Washington, in the great Pacific Northwest. Uh, This from my buddy, Kurt Ortler. Uh, Kurt, you're so faithful uh, listening to the podcast. You're such a blessing. You've got pretty good handwriting, too. I want you to know that. And I love this postcard. Don't know how well you can see it, but it's got Mount Rainier, uh, off in the uh, the background there of the city of Seattle, and just a wonderful place, a beautiful, beautiful uh, city, and a great place to live, kind of expensive, but uh, thanks for listening. Since 2020, you've been listening, Kurt, and I greatly, greatly appreciate that. We are in Mark chapter 9 today, and we're in verse number 38. We're really in a series of conversations that Jesus is having with his disciples. Uh, Jesus had a philosophy of ministry that was a philosophy of multiplication. And what I mean by that was, instead of trying to garner huge crowds, that's not to say that there never were huge crowds in Jesus' ministry. There were. And it's not to say that Jesus didn't love Lots of people. Obviously, he does. He came to save the world. He loves the greatest number of people. But what's the best way, organizationally, what's the best way by which to reach people in the quickest amount of time? What's through the process of multiplication? Investing in a relatively few number of people so that they can make those rich investments, those real investments in, in, in another group so that that process of multiplication uh, causes uh, people to be reached in the long term much more quickly. I think you've probably done the math on this, but if I were to give you a penny today and then tomorrow double it, so tomorrow I give you two cents. That's what I do every day. I give you my two cents worth. But uh, Or the next day, four cents, and then eight cents, and then 16. By the time you're done with that, you in, a, in a, just a, a month or a little bit over a month's time, you've given people a fortune. Why? It's the principle of multiplication. And Jesus was investing in these, uh, in these people, his disciples. Uh, he has just rebuked them for arguing about who's going to be great and who's going to be number one, who's going to have the chief seats. And when he, when he confronted them about that, remember, nobody would say anything. So Jesus put a child in his arms. He sat in the middle of them and said, guys, let me give you this teaching about humility and about serving. Uh, let me talk to you about my kingdom and my kingdom rules, because this does not this does not at, at all uh, f- uh, mirror what you're learning in society. So look at verse number 38 where John uh, pipes up. And so John answered him saying, Master, uh, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. So stop for a moment. Uh, John was probably the youngest disciple. 
He lived well into the 90s AD. He probably was a teenager when he asked this question. It was permissible for someone to follow a rabbi, a teaching rabbi from the time he was 15 and older. And so very likely John was still a teenager here and he is hearing the teaching of Jesus. He's hearing about humility. He's hearing about serving others. And all of this talk brings up this, this situation that he encountered. And he really would puzzled him, and he wanted to know what to do about it. So he said, Lord, uh, we came across the situation where somebody was, was casting out devils in your name, by your authority, uh, representing you. And I think the implication of the question that John is asking here is, and we didn't think that was right because we're kind of your guys. Uh, we're your disciples. We're the ones you have chosen to follow you. And here's this other person having the audacity to want to help people in your name. And we don't even know him. Does that sound a little bit petty? If it does, it probably is because we say similar things today. So watch what Jesus says, or what John goes on to say. Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. So he's following, uh, ostensibly he's following the Lord, but he's not following us. And we forbade him. So Lord, you weren't there, and we just said, stop it. That's not your job. You're not one of us. You don't get to do that. We forbade him because he followeth not us. So I think John was actually feeling a little bit cozy about this. He was feeling a little bit uh, self-justified by this. Now, Lord, we kind of helped you out here because this person out here was misrepresenting you and casting out devils in your name and invoking your name and your authority. But when we saw it, we said, nah, don't stop that because he's not part of our group. If he's not part of our group, there's no way that this can be legitimate, right? And John is about to find out that sometimes our reasoning and what we try to rationalize is not the Lord's thinking at all. So look at verse number 39, but but Jesus said, first of all, you know there's a problem because Mark said, but, but Jesus said, so in contrast to the thinking of John, in contrast to what he thought was valid rationale, the Bible says, but Jesus said, forbid him not. You did the wrong thing, John. You shouldn't have told him to stop. Forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. So if he's doing something that is good and representing me, then he's he's really not doing something wrong he, because these things are mutually exclusive. Spiritual power is an indication of spiritual reliance. And he's doing this in my name. He's doing it uh, representing me. He's speaking well of me. His message and his work are indicators and validators of his authenticity. I think about what Gamaliel said to the religious leaders in Acts. Remember when they said, what do we do here? And Gamaliel said, leave it alone. You know, if this is of God, we're not going to stop it. If it's not of God, it's going to peter out. 
So, you know, sometimes we just have to let it be to see if this is of the Lord. And what Jesus adds here to John is, no, they're not part of our group. And you might not even know their name. But if they're speaking correctly about the Lord, they're representing him authentically and that the power of their ministry is demonstrative of those realities, then don't forbid him. He's on our team. I wish we could get that. I wish in our very sectarian, tribal, factionalized brand of Christianity today, which which exists primarily in the United States, where we kind of have a Baskin-Robbins approach to ministry that you know, if you're not exactly my flavor, then you're not ice cream. And it's just ridiculous. You know, if people love the Lord, they're representing Him right, and that their, their ministry has a measure of power to help people, then let's let God sort that out. It's not our job to, to censor them, to censure them. It's our job to... Uh, to uh, cheer them on insofar that they too are the servants of Christ. Look at verse number 40, where Jesus gives a reason for his rebuke. He says, for he that is not against us is on our part. They're they're not working against me. They're not standing against the uh, identity that I am. They're they're not working against uh, the, the thrust of my ministry. So therefore, we can count them as as brothers. We can count them as teammates. Verse number 41, for whosoever, now this comes back to what he just taught them about that little child that he was holding in the middle of them. We just talked about this last episode. And he comes back to that in verse number 41. He says, for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, Verily, I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. So isn't it interesting that as Jesus taught about this, he kind of reversed it to say, hey, if someone does this to you, disciples, because up until this point, he's talked about them ministering. If If you receive someone in my name, then you're receiving me. But now he turns it around and says, well, wait, what if somebody does you good? What if somebody's kind to you? What if someone blesses you? Then receive that. If they're doing it in my name, then I'm going to bless them just as I bless you for blessing others in my name, humbly, like little children, that people that can't give back to you. Just when people do that to you, they're not going to lose their reward too. Why? Because I'm no respecter of persons. And I'm going to bless people that in good faith and in humble spirit, and in authentic mindset, represent me and do good in my name. I'm going to bless them. They're not going to lose the reward. Verse number 42, and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me. So there, there's, there's the positive, people doing good in Jesus' name, blessing those that maybe cannot bless back and doing good to people like the widows, like the fatherless, like these children, but on the, on the converse, if you do them wrong, if you offend them, and we can do that both physically, we think about child abuse and the rampant you know, sex abuse and things that happen in our society that's just so heinous, 
But think about emotional abuse. Think about spiritual abuse. Uh, Children are apt to believe things readily. Uh, Children will swallow uh, what you tell them. And so heavy, heavy be upon that one that misleads a child, that takes advantage of a child. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, that whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. It would be better for that person to, to, be, to be executed, to be killed, than for them to mess with the sincere and authentic faith of a child. That's strong language, is it not? And yet it's the language of the Lord himself. Notice the red letters. The, uh, Jesus is actually verbally teaching this to his disciples. I think about a similar passage in Galatians chapter 1, where Paul said not once but twice about some of his children. So who were his children? Well, all the churches that he would minister to, the people he led to Christ, the people that he helped to disciple. He viewed them as his children. Remember, he told, called Timothy, you're like my son in the faith. And when Paul left the churches of Galatia, they would be the churches of places like uh, Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And when he left, remember, there were some Judaizers, uh, these Jews from Jerusalem that came in, that, that ostensibly said they believed in Jesus too, but they also believed that one needed to keep the Mosaic law to be saved. So it's Jesus plus works equals salvation. And what Paul said is that's not the gospel. Matter of fact, that's another gospel. And if you preach that other gospel, you are in essence leading people to hell because you're giving them a false assurance. That's not salvation at all. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please man, I should not be the servant of Christ. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. That means damned to hell. I know that's strong language, but that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what Jesus is teaching here, that it is so important, especially for those of us in leadership, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a pastor, you're a teacher. You have the, the, you've been tasked with the important job of giving people truth. You better give them the truth of God's word. Why? Because to steer people wrongly when it comes to truth is the worst thing you could possibly do. Uh, my brethren, be not many masters. That means teachers, knowing that we James was a teacher himself, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. We're held to a much higher level of accountability. So good teaching by the Lord, and yet very, very uh, sober message from the Lord that we need to be careful about the message uh, that we preach, the deeds that we do, that we're representing the Lord in all of it and representing him accurately. So that's where we're going to stop today. We've got, uh, I think, one more episode in uh, in chapter number uh, nine. So we'll we'll do our best to finish it up next time. 
Until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.